Hello, this is Masajati. Welcome to my podcast, Exponential Intelligence. Today we have a special guest with us, Will Allen. He's the director of Holy Hell. Will, thank you for being here. Um, let's just, just jump right in. Uh, I know it's a fantastic movie. I encourage everybody to go see it. Will, what was your passion in, in creating that film? Well, it's interesting, Moss. Um, I think I decided to tell that story because I thought it was time to be really truthful and really honest and transparent mm -hmm. about something that's very hard to put your finger on, uh, spiritual abuse, uh, psychological abuse, and sexual abuse too. And this was a subject I'd lived through that hadn't been resolved yet. And I felt like it was a topic that was worth talking about. Yes. Because I'd never heard it talked about. Yes. Or addressed in a serious manner. And um, so I decided to be that person to start that conversation, really. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Wow. This, is, this reminded me of when we did uh, the Divine Atrocities back in Denver. And a lot of people started coming forward going, oh, my God, you know, I've been abused. And I didn't even realize mm -hmm. that I was mm -hmm. abused. Uh, and so I want, I just want to ask you some questions and then you can ask me questions on mm -hmm. say the pitfalls or what to watch out for sure. to awaken other people. Okay. Um, so you had mentioned in the film, uh, and again, fantastic film, uh, you had mentioned in the film that, um, you were with this person for 20 some odd years, mm -hmm. 22 years, 22 years. Wow. I was 22 years when I'm 22 years old when I met him Okay. and 44 when I, Left. left wow yeah that's a long time <clears throat> so when i watched the film well and no offense but when i watched the film <laughs> the first instance is oh my god this guy is a uh, yeah uh so w at 22 what mm -hmm. were you say thinking or what were you say searching <clears throat> for mm -hmm. uh, which is really key mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. because a lot of people you know they're intelligent uh they have a lot of things going for them there's still quite say, a piece that's missing. Sure, of course. I was searching for happiness. I know that sounds very broad, mm -hmm. but I was very happy already. Mm -hmm. And I would have happy and then sad. I would go happy and sad. And I thought, well, how do you regulate this, these okay. emotions? You know, how do you, you must be able to stay happy all the time. Right. So I was looking for the meaning of life. I was looking for what was death all about. All my films in college were all about death and life. I was very interested in why we're here. Sure. As human beings. Mm -hmm. So right after college, I had that, period of time where I could explore that and my sister introduced me to meditation and friends of hers who meditated and this teacher mm -hmm. and my first instinct was there was no judgment it was more like okay all these people are different and he is eccentric yes and outside the box and from another country mm -hmm. and an actor and a dancer and all these bizarre things and I just didn't think anything about those I was just listening to the message and the message was love Bhakti, devotion, harmony, you know, everything that we were trying to, I think that I was trying to live in. Sure. I was a filmmaker and I also wanted to make movies that were uplifting and whole, you know, good movies right. that were. Of course. So I think I was trying to find the answers so I could make movies that were uplifting, uh, uplifting and, and other people. Intelligent, yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Okay. Absolutely. That's how they get you by the way. So anyway, <laughs> well, I was perfect subject. then. <laughs> yes. Uh, very interesting. So at, at 22, 
um, again, 22 years, what kind of helped you start to say awaken? Mm-hmm. Or how did you get deeper into it? Because I know initially from all the people that I've talked to about, uh, you know, people who've been abused through gurus mm-hmm. and ashrams and so on like that, uh, there was a level of knowing that this wasn't right. Hmm. That makes sense to you? Yeah, I didn't have that. <laughs> oh, really? No, no, no. <clears throat> Let's just put it differently. I didn't have that at the <laughs> beginning. Um, when I interviewed a lot of my subjects and my friends in the film, you know, that was one of my favorite questions, like, what was your first thought, really? What was the, right. what the was one it? in the back of your head? What was it saying? And a lot of them were like, who is this crazy guy? Mm-hmm. What a narcissist. This guy's a demonic. Yet they still stayed, right? right. Um, and so sometimes our first initial we dismiss our first instinct. <clears throat> Sometimes they come in. Sure. And you, you, you see people around you with having social proof, vetting the people you're listening to. Right. And you, 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 you just don't listen to your own instinct. Was that your question? Was your question like, what was I? What, what were you, say, thinking? Or did you notice that there was something wrong you know, with this individual? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it's really easy when you watch the film because you look sure. at it from obje- object from an objective point of view. Mm-hmm. And now this well, is I 20- didn't even watch the film. I just saw the guy's face. <laughs> I know, I know. I get, I, I get it, I get it. <laughs> I knew this was a problem making the film. I had seen a movie called um, The Source Family, and it was about okay. the Source Family. And mm-hmm. I remember I was just making my film when this came out, and I, I, I saw their guru, and I thought, I don't resonate with this guy. What were they thinking? I would mm-hmm. never have been with this person. Right. I hate this movie. <laughs> you know, right. because I'm like, and this is going to be the problem I have with my film because no one's going to understand. They're right. going to take one look at this guy and go, what were you thinking? So I know that that's, that's a problem. And that's, by the way, that's <clears throat> not my point. Okay. Because, because, uh, and I'm not trying to well, I don't have think you we say saw, I still think we it. saw it. I still think we saw right. it back then is all I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that, you know, what are the steps in how they hypnotize you? Mm-hmm whether it's him or anybody else because a lot of intelligent level individuals like get into that and then they're too ashamed to go well you know it was so obvious and Mm -hmm. then they don't want to admit it they don't even want to admit the shame well this is okay i think i understand your question it's multifold because i don't think he was the only one hypnotizing us no everyone in the group that's what i see yes everyone was so so in the first, in the first, we didn't get to spend that much time around him. He would come for special appearances and make mm. appearance, and he would show up there. So we really were spending time around each other. All these older people regurgitating his teachings, okay. were, were were rephrasing and repurposing, and we're all teaching each other what we think was being said. Sure. So in in that's group think. That's that's in a, in a way that's social proof. Like you're you're going with the crowd. You're helping each other figure things out okay but they are spreading they are teaching what he's teaching you know they aren't right. saying what he's saying sure so i think uh, he used us to spread his word to each other i think this happens in communities <clears throat> if that helps you okay it's not just one person doing it right uh i kind of look at it as scouting actually is that like recruiting well, yeah so so what i see uh and you're seeing say the surface level of you know spreading the teachings but actually he's like behind the scenes yes kind of looking at say all the people and he is well he has say special abilities mm-hmm. but not that great but special abilities where he can scan people and go oh okay he's the one that i can say control or he's the one that's going to be easy for me to yes do whatever yes so it was more yeah. of a learning process yeah. for him to weed out the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you didn't say follow through, they were, I think 
uh, would they kick you out of the group? Well, or you, was you get demon not, demonized, and you know, demonized. You would, yeah, it was like leaving your path. It's like you know, falling okay. off your path. It was really right. shameful. So, yeah, and even if so, if the demonization didn't work for people, right, to jump bringing them back, they would like exit the group. Yeah, from what I'm seeing. Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah, and um, he did. He did scout. You know, yep. he did, but you're not aware of it when you're of being scouted. Not. I mean, because he plays not. you perfectly for you, whether you're a female or a male or whether you're, whatever your, your stories are. Now, he was also our hypnotherapist and he would get our whole life story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and know it uh, backwards. So he'd work with each person differently. And he, of course, when you, when you think about what you're talking about, he would only ask certain people that he knew he could get to do certain things. Right. You know, he would play everybody perfectly. Okay. Yeah. So he was scouting. So did he ask you about, say, your life history? Because for me, oh, yes. I can just like see it. No, he asked. So you, don't, it. you don't have to. Well, tell me. yeah, he or, wasn't clairvoyant. I okay. mean, he tried. He wanted to be. He oh. really wanted that gift. Sure. To the I point where he'd lie he and cheat and steal, and he would. Have oh wow. Peop- yeah, he would have people tell them stories, and he would. That's how he learned things. So he, oh, he and that's how he would hypnotize you to bring that trust. Well, I mean, we, he was our hypnotherapist. Okay. So he was, he was a, at that time in the eighties, he was a somewhat licensed hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. So he would see clients before we met him to help stop smoking or help stop those trendy things. When we met him, he would take us in regression therapy, regression hypnotherapy, where you go back to your childhood, you go back to a trauma Mm -hmm. and you rework it, you work it out. I'm sorry. And that was the kind of hypnosis that he used with us. Uh, but it was all psychological, personal. He'd get down into the nitty gritty with us. Right. We, I thought we were unwinding things and, and resolving things, you know, sure. psychologically. Yeah. I see it a little differently. Yeah. He was actually using you as seeing where all your weaknesses were. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. To use it against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did it with all of us. I mean, everyone. He knew. He had a quite brilliant mind, and he had a he good, very good me- memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could, you know, 15 years later, he could remember something you told him in a therapy session mm-hmm. and use it. Uh, well, he's alien. Yes, so, so that's why they have such a great memory? Uh, or total yes, recall? Total like recall. Total recall. Yeah. Basically. Total recall total of 150 recall. people, their whole life story. Wow. Things that we forgot, he would remember. Crazy. Crazy. Maybe just pull it out and use it against you, really. So, <laughs> yes. So, well, classic hypnosis. So, Will, I know you've had a lot of interviews mm-hmm. with the success of this film, but is there any, say, question or anything that you want to get out in the open that you didn't have a chance to? God, that's such a good question. Hold on. <laughs> I know there are. I had, when I started making my film, I had a list of, a hundred questions that people should ask me that they're not like, this is what you should be asking me. This so is a hundred questions. Wow. Well, I mean, that was like before I started my film, a lot mm-hmm. of those answers, a lot of those questions got answered while I made my film. Mm-hmm. See, I was, I was exploring what happened to answer your question earlier. Sure. I was trying to figure out what happened to me and my friends. And so right. I did make the film also not just for other people, but for myself mm-hmm. uh, to find out the truth. Yes. And we all had our own different stories and none of us knew the other person's. Uh, but to answer your question, I think the hardest, oh God, this is going to sound so weird. No worries. Well, I think the hardest thing to try to explain, uh, to anyone who wasn't in the group Mm -hmm. 
is that we all um, loved this man really deeply, really okay. deeply. I know you, I know the alien, I know all that stuff, but whatever it was that worked for us, somehow we got like kind of God smacked, like right. something hit, struck a chord in us. Right. We, you know, besides him. Vulnerability. Yeah. And we were taught to give all of our devotion and love to him. And so somehow or other, somewhere in that period, I learned how to love. I learned how to love. I know. I'm just telling you off the cuff. No, 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 you're, no you're, you're, you're making faces. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just analyzing. I never judged. I just or never had like loved that. unconditionally like that. And right. So I was loving my brothers and sisters unconditionally, mm -hmm. the most I could, and and him. And right. I think that's the hardest thing to explain. That you know, the love was so deep with this person. It was not sexual. It was a mentor. It was spiritual. Okay. And it was it had opened up something that had not been opened up i was catholic i was an altar boy i had gone to college and you know mm. everything and nowhere had i met anyone that that ignited all of us so much and so you know that's kind of embarrassing you know in hindsight to look at it and say oh well it was a love affair not a sexual love affair sure not at all a love affair yeah yeah and um it started off like that it just started off like that with great intentions great great honeymoon Wow. Um, so that's when I made my film, I, I really, one of the things I said to myself is I want to make sure people knew that this started as love. Right. Do you know? It started right. as love, which, you know, eventually got betrayed. But um, that was something I felt was really important to be fair. Mm -hmm. You know? So, Will, let's talk about cults. <laughs> you mean the four <laughs> characteristics of a cult? Yes. There we go. <laughs> well, there are. Experts say there are four characteristics that need to be present to be able to call something a cult. Okay. You can't just point your finger and call everything a cult. Okay. All right. Um, there's four things that have to be present, which uh, are one, and the main one that's missing from a lot of groups is, mm -hmm. is a leader, um, a charismatic leader that is the object to follow of, of uh, worship. You know, and someone that really kind of controls everyone and tells them what to do. And, and, and really, they do look to him for an omniscient sense of direction. Okay. Um, but now, seeking a, psych, uh, seeking a psychic or you know, anyone that has that kind of authority is one thing. They're not telling you how to live every moment of your life and direct everything and tell you what to do and not do. Um, they're just helpers along the way. In this situation, a cult leader is someone who is demanding your obedience who is the knower of all things and basically kind of disqualifies your own experiences. So it. you're not supposed to question. You're really not supposed to question. You're there to learn. If you had all the answers, why are you, why are you there? Right. You don't go to a guru full of answers. You go there looking for answers, right? So yeah, you're not supposed to know more than the guru for sure. Yeah. That's a prerequisite. Um, Which is actually opposite of me. Yeah, because I always say question everything, question what I say, because mm -hmm. it makes me learn deeper, mm -hmm. right? And then it helps me say uh, teach at a deeper level of understanding mm -hmm. for the people listening. Right, so. and you're not claiming to be a guru. You you really don't oh, no, want that, right? Not at all. So you're here to help and facilitate and try. And it's hard because people will actually easily project that towards you because course in authority position yes uh, but you know the best communication is just to let people know the difference really. right 
uh, because you have to have facilitators. You know, we do need teachers on certain levels. We just don't need omniscient gurus who are going to control every move you take and, right. and every move you make. Right. <clears throat> I mean, mm-hmm. that's basically the difference. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you're also surrendering all your will to this person, like, you know, all your power to this person. The second thing that happens in cults uh, is you are discouraged from seeking outside points of view, okay. other other people's points of view, other teachers, other readings, other writings, uh, scriptures. You're really supposed to just follow that one ideology, and that's what really gets you very isolated into one sort of group think, uh, and the teachers group think. Um, well, religions do that. Religions do that. <clears throat> Lots See, of religions. Societies do that. Yeah. <clears throat> businesses uh, do that. Businesses do that. Spirituality do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't do that. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I actually well, tell them to read everything and then decide for yourself. Uh, but I show you, say, how to decipher what's true and what's not. Good. Yes. Because we do need <clears throat> teachers. We do need guides, right? Yes. Uh, people helping us without someone claiming all that power for themselves, right. which is what's great about you <clears throat> because you right off the bat say, this is not what you want. This is not your job. Your right. job is not to be a guru. Your job is to help facilitate healing and other things, True. which, you know, these things get overlaid on top of each other because they look the same, but they might not be the same. And so it's good to know the differences. Um, the other thing that needs to be present for something to be called a cult is members need to be exploited um, told to do things they would never normally do, social pressure, um, you know, sex <laughs> could wow. easily come into the picture. Of things that they wouldn't normally do. <clears throat> Anything that um, degrades you. Yeah, degrading. It's not your thought. It's not something you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. but you have to do it to go beyond yourself. You know, that's ex- it can become exploitative. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and we'll talk more about that because there's... Uh, uh, well, different sections that we're going to go deeper yeah. into that aspect. And the last thing is that you get isolated from your family and from friends and from society. Now, that doesn't mean they <clears throat> literally isolate you, but they effectively isolate you, meaning you don't have those connections and those resources anymore. You're, you're, you're pulled away from those. Uh, that's your support group that you had, and then you no longer have that. Uh, you have a new one, and it's based around the teacher and the group and their ideology and mm-hmm. then that's it. So in your case, though, you actually did get physically separated, right? Did you not live like in a compound type situation or uh, you didn't go back home? or No, well, you know, you know I was old enough to leave home. And right. um, no, I didn't go back home. I would go back home and visit my parents okay. once a year. And I'd have to beg to go do it. You know, I'd have to say, I really need to go visit them. And one way we'd get him to let us go is we would say they're using the cult word and he would say, well, go visit them. (laughs)